Never Ending Q podcast, where today we're talking about best mysteries. And the mystery today, I guess, is how many people are still listening after that amazing intro. Uh, You're right. I am joined by, by Jeff and by my sister, Holly, who has uh, already guessed, done a guest spot once already. Um, so my worlds are kind of colliding. Holly, how are you? I'm fabulous. Ready to talk about, about mysteries? You? I'm great. Always. I'm always ready. Jeff's ready. Oh, yeah. You, Holly, <laughs> you're the first uh, <laughs> full of confidence. I'm about as confident right now as I am with a 60 degree wedge from 30 yards out. Um, <laughs> Holly, you're our first, you're our first second guess appearance. It's quite, quite an honor for all three listeners. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Well, actually two, I, uh, cause you're I, here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll tell some of my friends I did this one. So you'll get a little bit of a pickup again. Little Bob. We'll know what that's from. That's good. Mm-hmm. Holly yeah. Bump. Yeah, nepotism yep. runs deep in this podcast. Nepotism and bribery <laughs> are the two things, but no one will pay us to uh, to come on. So we have to just resort to to family members and, and calling in favors. Holly, we actually speaking of calling in favors, we Jeff and I tried to call you during our, our mother's podcast last episode. Yes. We were we were trying to solve a mystery of our own about where Captain Von Trapp's money came from in the sound of music i have a theory but do you first of all do you do you know or was it ever explained and we just missed it so i apologize for not being available and not i accepted. did appreciate that it was kind of awkward at one point in that podcast because you really were waiting for me to call in like if you'll I just specify known, which moment important. was awkward there's, there's <laughs> yeah. many to choose from every Your 30 seconds calling? is she <laughs> is, did she call you yet is she gonna call um, I did not reference my Sound of Music Bible, so I'm totally doing this off of memory, but um, I believe part of it, it's, I think you both kind of hit, hit part of the truth. Part of it is because of his position in the Navy, he was paid very well, was compensated very well. In Europe, um, you know, that was a high-ranking position of honor and would have he would have been compensated well for that. Um, in his retirement, especially. And I also believe that his um, wife, his deceased wife was from money. So I think it was a that's, combination of those two things. That's where I was going was, was the wife came from money and he was dating. What's her name? Baroness. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So spin zone, you know, did obviously he followed his heart and he married Maria instead of being a gold digger and and marrying the money. Do you think he was underwater on that house and that that's why they had to leave <laughs> Austria and he, this the Nazi thing provided a, uh, we, a convenient excuse of like, yeah, we should get out of here. You know, the, Market's house tanking. In the, the house in the film was actually neither, neither property they used to be their home was the actual home. The actual home was occupied by Nazis and pretty much destroyed towards the end of the war so that doesn't sound like them God they looked Nazis. like a, yeah they looked every at time with these guys decided it was too much yeah so oh, but they too- used a different exterior for the back um like all the scenes that are facing the lake when yeah. they face the lake and you can see the home in the background they're actually two different locations 
So they just find Fun. the house they liked and wait till the people weren't home. And then everybody <laughs> get onto this. Hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. Robert Wise knew how to have a good time. Well, that's our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed <laughs> alternate weird fan theories about the sound of music. Uh, no, we did this week. Like I said, we're, we're talking about our favorite mysteries. Um, very broad topic and also a, a topic that's open to interpretation. Um, I think you can, uh, you know, what I define as a mystery may not be what each of you defines as a mystery, but to each his own. I'm not going to, there's no criteria that I'm holding both of you accountable for. Um, sure. But I, I was curious, uh, you know, there's in, in a standard whodunit, Holly, I'll start with you. Like, do you typically like to, as the audience, do you like to know what's happening and watch the protagonist figure it out? Or do you like to follow along with the protagonist? That is a very figure good it out question. As figuring it out. Because when I watched North by Northwest last night, this again, is exactly the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, you know, they're telling the viewer a lot of things that, you know, aren't known by all of the characters yet. But that's not necessarily consistent with like Agatha Christie and some of those other storytellers that are more of a whodunit versus Hitchcock doing something totally different with most of his movies. Um, I prefer to be in the dark and try to figure it out and see if I'm right or not. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I yeah. like to be, I like to be surprised in, in, you know, as regards regarding uh, mysteries but not in real life. <laughs> Fair enough. Jeff, what about you? You have a preference either way? Yeah, so it's interesting that you, you asked this question. So the answer is similar to Holly's. Yes, I like to be in the dark if I can't figure it out. Um, and so as I thought about like this mystery topic, the movies that I like in this category, I really like them. Same for... You know, there's a couple of miniseries that I think have really nailed this well. Uh, the Night Of on HBO. Um, I think yeah. the series format gives you a little bit of a different kind of weekly cliffhanger and you're, you're left for a week trying to figure something out unless you binge it. Um, what I don't like about mysteries, if they're not done well and you are in the dark, is if you do figure it out. And then to me, it becomes incredibly frustrating. And I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. Like, just land the plane. Uh, I have a yeah. similar feeling if I do know. And it's like this, you know, merry-go-round of, come on, it's not that difficult to just get there. So I have right. to be, in, in order for me to really enjoy this genre, I have to be in the dark and it has to be well done. I mean, that's, so that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, I prefer to be in the dark and I think that movies lend themselves better to that than TV shows, especially in the internet era. Because what I'm thinking about is like a show like Westworld where if you give audiences enough time, yeah, you know, week to week, like they will figure it out. That's true. And it, the only way they won't figure it out is if you make it so batshit off the wall, like, like, so another example, like lost where like no one really figured it out, but like, you know, I, do, I would think it's a bad thing because everyone was just looking around like, what, what the hell? Like you, you, 
you didn't answer the, the questions that, that I had, like, which I, you know, like, that's one way to handle a mystery is just like to leave it completely open-ended about, you know, I guess they did answer why polar bears are on the Island, but there's, there's a plethora of other <laughs> things that they didn't address. Um, so I think the movies are better because you just don't have the time in the, I don't anyway, I'm not smart enough, unless it's, unless it's completely telegraphed. Um, in which case it's not enjoyable and it won't be on this list. But Holly, it's interesting you brought up North by Northwest because I would argue that to me, like the first 30 to 45 minutes of North by Northwest feels like a mystery. And then when basically once they had the CIA meeting and you know what's going on, then it turns into more of like what I would call like a thriller. But if you have it as yeah. a mystery like that, there's no, I mean, it, it's defined that way and there's no wrong answer. But to me, like then it, the veil's kind of lifted and you know more than, uh, than Roger knows. Um, right. That's yeah. Anyway, hope I didn't step on, on anybody's uh, entry there. But there's a lot of. Uh, we're not going to do a, a scored six pack. We're not even going to do a six pack. We're just going to kind of have an open conversation. Um, so Holly, you you are the the two time guest. Uh, I'm going to let you start off with with your number five. So, as I said before, we started recording. I have two really strong honorable mentions that might find their way into the top five at some point, but this is how I ranked it as of the rewatches. Number five is The Sixth Sense, which I realize can be categorized as horror. And I think this goes back to a lot of these movies can be categorized as mystery slash something else. So it depends on the whole story and how it's filmed and everything. But I owned this movie on VHS. Uh, it came out in 1999 when I was still in college. And I know I saw it in the theater at least twice. M. Night Shyamalan, like, was, nobody knew who he was. It was a huge, huge thing. Um, Philly. And Philly, right? Rewatching it this time, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but something I read that was interesting about this film that I think explains why it's so rewatchable and so moving for me, at least still, um, is when Tony Collette auditioned for it, she didn't even realize that it was categorized as horror when she read her part. And she's such a good actress. I think everybody agrees on that, but her performance is so moving in it. And that story between her and her son is so moving that those types of relationships keep this from being like a true horror category for me. And of course, rewatching it, you see all of the signs that he gives you. And now we know more about his filming style and what the color red means and all of that. But at the time it was not widely broadcasted. I don't think anyone really like figured it out. And so it was, it was worth it. Even rewatching it, like I said, like knowing the ending, it still made my heart, my heart beat fast. I still cried um, when they had the conversation in the car about um, her mother mm -hmm. and what is being communicated. Like, I mean, it just, it's so moving. So, but there's, there's so many layers to this movie, but at the heart of it, you have to not really know yeah. if this kid's, they don't, we don't see what he sees for so long that we right. don't know what's true and we still don't know the ultimate truth. You brought up a good point. It's, it's interesting that we talked about the, the, we had the mother's podcast last week and 
I think if you thought about the sixth sense, I mean, the, the things that, that you think of immediately are in, in no particular order, an M. Night Shyamalan movie, and, and then, you know, 1A, the, the twist that comes along with an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You think of Bruce Willis and kind of what this did for his career. You think of Haley Joel Osment as like great kid actor, nominated for an Academy Award, really probably still the best thing that he's done. Um, yeah. What gets lost there is, is what you said, like Tony Collette really carries a lot of the emotional weight of that movie. And she does. So she came up as an honorable mention for, for the favorite moms one, but that's a pretty consistent theme in a lot of the movies she's in. I mean, the way, way back. Um, now I'm like, now I'm blanking. Uh, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. 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 She, I don't know. She's one of those actresses that I'm sure everybody, you know, a lot of people know who she is, but probably doesn't get enough credit. And I feel like there's, there's a moment coming. I'm pretty sure she, I don't even know if she's been nominated. She, she was nominated has. for this for supporting okay. actress. Mm-hmm. There's, I feel like there in like five years, we're going to have a, she's going to do have a really good role. And we're going to have like, kind of what we have with, with Glenn Close where it's like, she said a really good career. Like we should, you know, we should really make an effort to, to make this year's Oscars like about her. And so I, I still think she'll kind of have her moment um, of, of real recognition, but no, this is a good pick. Yeah. Also, I have to pick. point out uh, <laughs> Willis's line. He says, I liked it better than cats. And I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta mention that on the podcast <laughs> when he goes to the school play. Yeah. Shame it wasn't Les Miserables. This is a great pick. It's very infuriating me right now because I had like this five second moment this weekend where I was like, I got to put six cents on the list. And I never did it. And then now you've said it and kicking myself. Um, The rewatch on this movie, actually, I think in this whole category, to me is difficult because mystery you know in and of its name like is highly spoiler right so like if you know what the ending is it's a very different movie the second time you watch it this in particularly the first time you watch this you know you are just in the dark on exactly what's happening up until those last few moments and then you kind of have that oh my god he's been dead the whole time spoiler alert he's dead (laughs) but (laughs) oh my god he's been dead this whole time his hair um, yeah but to oh me it kind of takes something out of it like once you, we had to go hair again this is the third podcast in a row that we've brought up here i gotta be consistent um, but to me it takes it takes it's different like you, I, you definitely pick up different things now because you're looking at it with a different through a different set of uh glasses but um i don't know that this category holds up as well because of it and Kurt, to your point about kind of the internet, you know, some of these movies, like had this come out in 2000 and let's say seven, 2008, when Facebook was kind of taking off, it would have been over, right? People's, people would have been I think you would have had two movie. weeks. Yeah. You would have had two weeks to see it and then it would have been it. Whereas like in this one, it was, it was a solid like probably two to three months. This was like the same... I think it was the same year as uh, like Blair Witch. It was. Um, I was just going to say Blair Witch was another one that like, there's no way that movie would have had any success now. But it yeah, was, no. it, it, people believed it was real 
And I saw it and it, I mean, it was so shocking to see, but there's no way. I don't even think I would go see it now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But this did, I mean, I I remember I, I watched this movie in 90 well i watched it when it came out on vhs wasn't allowed to go see it in theaters and you know that was at david campbell's house i remember where we were when we watched it and it's you know it's kind of hard but it's not hard it's one of those things where i think kurt is identified as a little sensitive growing up i can agree to that as well this was hard to watch when you're that old um Mm -hmm. i wish i was older when i saw it like i wish i could watch this for the first time again yeah it's so good yeah donnie i forgot about donnie Wahlberg being in it like i forgot about that being the beginning right out of the gate (laughs) and it's just it's so shocking and disturbing and perfect yeah nate stand-up. i think in his last special has a great bit on marriage and uses i won't spoil the bit uh but uses the sixth sense as a how, how basically how uh you just think these people aren't talking to each other for for the whole time and that's completely normal <laughs> and then you find out at the end he's dead and you're like oh the other the other Happy premise is pretty believable too <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of movie yeah, yeah. It's like a there. Noah Baumbach movie instead of a uh, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. No, it's a solid way to start this off. Uh, Jeff, what'd you have for number five? <laughs> I had Clue from 1985, oh. which is like, I don't even know how we, should I leave? I think I should leave. No. <laughs> That's like one of the quintessential, yeah. Tim Curry, um, you never have to apologize for a Tim Curry movie. Uh, yeah. This cast is unbelievable. Tim Curry, Christopher It's Ray. a classic, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a goofy, crazy movie, but one of the things I found really interesting about this is that, and this could work today. So 1985, they launched this movie in theaters, and depending on which showing you saw, there was three different endings. So all three of us could have gone tonight, three different theaters, saw this movie and come out and been like, this is who killed who. Uh, When they released it on Direct to Home, they included all three and then told you that I guess ending C or three uh, was what really happened. But, um, you know, John Landis, he, he you know, I'm, I'm always going to watch that. Um, the cast is phenomenal. It is not scary. Um, no. <laughs> at all. Uh, Martin Mole is as punchable in this movie as he is in any other role that he's usually in. Uh, whether that's Mr. Mom, who I was this weekend, or uh, I'm amazed you're alive. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm amazed I'm here. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I, I had to get this on the list. I knew you guys were going to bring the heat, so I snuck this in as as just something that was going to be a little lighter than probably some deep this, old Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> this this has got to be the best. Uh, you know, apologies to Battleship, but this has got to be the the best board game adaptation of uh, into a movie, right? Yeah, I would think, and I hope they I hope they just don't ever do it again. Um, 
I don't think they would. Battleship should be a clear indicator to everybody out there that this is not a good idea. Nobody needs the Monopoly movie. Yeah. Definitely don't need Sorry. Um, (laughs) I mean, guess who could be a a mystery? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody with blue eyes, line up. You're out. (laughs) Is your person a boy? You can't ask that. in the yep. new version there is someone who is trans i believe mm. yeah don't add us yeah i don't think mom and dad have figured slowly, that out though so slowly backing oh. away <laughs> senator o'donnell isn't it true that you were on a podcast in 2021 <laughs> i don't recall f i f plead the fifth yep yep that's a solid five jeff uh i'm gonna round us out at number five uh, with the movie that we talked about before. Oh, yeah, I'm down. I'm really, I was really torn between my honorable mention and my number five. And for my number five, I'm going to say what my number five was for uh, Best Wedding. And I'm going to say The Hangover. Um, I don't think of it as a mystery. Okay. But that's what it is. Yeah. Um, they're piecing together where Doug is. And yeah. Similar to what I was saying earlier you don't know anything more than what they know. Mm-hmm. And if this were a miniseries, then the the episode where they show the mattress thrown off the roof, that would have been like the next day it would have been like Doug's on the roof. And like looking back now, it's like, oh, of course, like as I was watching the movie, like I should have figured out that like that's, you know, that, that that's what that was. Now, side note, like, I don't know why Doug just didn't stand on the roof screaming, hey, I'm up here, hey, I'm up here. And, and someone would have come to get him, but that's, you know, side note. Um, I think that that's, that's really what drew, I mean, it's a, it's a really funny movie and that's at yeah. its core, that's why it succeeded. But I think that, that the mystery aspect of it really added to the, the enjoyability, that's a word, of, of watching this, especially the first time. Now you watch it subsequent times more because of, of the comedy and, and for that aspect of it, but I think the mystery portion of it is what really pushed it over the top. And I think that that's what was missing along with some other things from the second and the third one, because the second one is basically a retread and it has its moments. It's fine. The third one removes it completely and it's a disaster. Now you can argue that neither the script was good for, for two or three, but I just feel like the combination of these guys, you know, trying to piece together, where Doug is, um, yeah, and, and figure out what they did, really added to it. So, yeah, that's that's my five. I mean, it's it's an interesting uh, way to look at it. I mean, if even if you go outside that franchise, you know, Bridesmaids was kind of quickly on the heels of The Hangover. It felt like it was going to be, you know the female version had no aspect of mystery, right? It was just straight up, you know, uh, kind of more on the party side, less on the mystery side and yeah. was successful, but not as successful. And I, I think you're right. I mean, there, first of all, Doug did a horrible job uh, of trying to get himself saved all around. Um, but it definitely keeps you engaged because that movie I think that movie has lost a lot on the rewatch. Um, like I kind of get it. I, it's played out a little yeah. bit, 
Um, but you're, you're, you're trying to figure it out. It's, it's a great pick. If they had showed you where Doug is and, and, and they were cutting to scenes of Justin Bartha on the roof, trying, you know, debating whether to drink his own piss or not. Like, you know, I'm just thinking like <laughs> what, what scene, what they, what they would have done with him on the roof. It, it would take away because it's just like, okay, like how long are they going to take for them to figure out oh, like, yeah. what they did to him? Um, it, it was a much better play to have. I'm sure Justin Bartha's agent wasn't as happy that the guy's basically like cut out of most of the movie, but no. The whole franchise is not in. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that. That's fine. He got National Twitter. He's fine. Uh, so that's, that's a number fives. Holly, what do you have uh, for number four? Back and to the left. JFK. JFK. So I've talked about this movie the past few weeks with friends as I'm talking about preparing for this podcast more than any of the other ones, just because I've been curious how many people have seen it and or like when's the last time they watched it. Um, Our parents are really big into all things JFK, Jackie. Um, So we grew up learning about a lot of these things. But this movie is pretty adult. So 91, I would have been in middle school. You would have been, of course, six years younger than that. Um, I definitely didn't see this movie until I was probably college age. And I actually borrowed the DVD director's cut from mom and dad to rewatch this. So I haven't, I'm sure I haven't watched it in 20 years. But I feel like Steve Stitz brought it over. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's possible. Shout out, Steve. Yeah. yeah. And Full Metal Jacket. I know for a fact you brought that one over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But I forgot just how many people were in this. Like the cameos are just right out the gate. And at the same time, it doesn't feel forced. I feel like they had some fun with who they got to play. Um, yeah. All different generations of actors. You got the Kevin Bacon game going on. Um but at the end of it all, it's one of the greatest mysteries in the sense that we really don't know. It, the movie lays it out very well based on Garrison's book um, and another book that the script was based on. But we still don't really know if his conspiracies and what he presented in court were the truth. We just know it's closer to the truth than the lone gunman. Yeah. So. It, it had me fun. on the edge of my it had me on the edge of my seat, knowing that we don't know and knowing kind of like how the last third of the movie is in court. It still had me to the point where it was like 10 30 at night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have like another hour of this? Like I really want to finish <laughs> it, but I can't, yeah, you know, because I can't stop watching. Just like one more scene, one more scene. And then uh once Pesci's character is dead, I'm like, oh, I can go to bed now because <laughs> he's such yeah. a fun part of the movie. But in a weird way, it might make, you know, the allure of never knowing for sure what happened, I think will will keep it more on the front burner than it normally would have. Like if it came out that like, I don't know, say like the CIA paid Oswald to to basically, you know, try and assassinate him, but like the, the CIA also participated in it and that was proven, it would be like, like big news and then it would just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. done. Um, it's more fun to... to to sift through the myriad of possibilities of what happened. And, and Oliver Stone clearly has a passion for this. Um, 
from a movie making standpoint, I guess he, I mean, Platoon was like 86, 87. This was 91. So he's, he's still coming. I mean, he, he's had, had had a solid career already up to this point. Um, yeah. And I think that that's why like everybody and their mother lined up to do, to just have some kind of a role here. Um, interesting. Tommy Lee Jones hadn't really, I mean, he was famous, I guess, but he wasn't as well-known. I mean, like the fugitive is what pushed him into the realm of like, Oh, like this guy is, is a really well-known recognizable actor. And that was like 95, I think. So this was a few years before that. Um, mm-hmm. Catching Costner right at the peak of, of being Kevin Costner. Seriously. Um, yeah. Like the dance with wolves, I think was the year before dance with wolves was 90. Field of dreams was 89. Mm-hmm. And this is like 91 and it's probably mm-hmm. downhill from, uh, you know, understandably, I don't know how much farther up you can go from A there. Very- yeah. Like <laughs> you like, you like, uh, uh, what's the, for love of the game? You big, big for love of the game. Apologist. <laughs> your ass. You like swing vote. Love swing it. votes. One of your, uh, <laughs> it's on in the background. I could see it in the reflection of the, t- yeah. the picture. Um, no, this is a great pick. Swing vote. <laughs> we let's talk about swing vote on this podcast. I don't um, think unless we get really desperate. I think the fact that this is uh I'm gonna use the word real loosely here, but like based on you know a true assassination of, of a sitting president, and there is a lot of mystery. So like it's a movie about a conspiracy theory that pushes another theory. Um until you know until that gets released or if it's known uh as to what it is this movie is going to be you know right there uh as far as you know being able to be rewatched i kurt knows i have kind of a love-hate relationship with oliver stone this is one that i would put on the love side uh right opposite the doors but yeah um (laughs) yeah this is a good one it's a really good one it, yeah. and it it's, it's similar because yeah, it's not only a good mystery movie it's one of the great american mysteries right of all yeah. time yeah well the pinnacle is donald sutherland's character when he goes to dc and talks to the <laughs> secret ex- informant and exposition dump yeah he like, just yeah. lay i mean he just lays <laughs> so much out there i'm like oh i gotta pause i don't know what he's stone Stone should have just like just not even cast anybody in that role, and he should have just done it himself because he's so <laughs> th- that role is just him wanting to just data dump as much as he can into the film. I'm like, you know what? He's gonna go talk to this random dude that doesn't exist, supposedly. Mm. <laughs> you know, he was hyping yeah. up Sutherland right before that, like, and then there's this, and then, <laughs> and then we got to talk about this. Yeah, okay, man. All right, you're gonna open a newspaper when you're in Calm the down. South Pole. <laughs> yeah <laughs> lady you're scaring uh, me yeah uh jeff what do you have for number four also based on a uh true mystery uh i have 2007's zodiac uh which i guess is a story actually about ted cruz but um <laughs> no, that's that's jfk well ted cruz's father killed jfk according to trump on the allegedly family. Yeah. yeah so david fincher pops up on this list uh 
definitely more than once. I won't reveal how many times, but it, it's up there. Fine with that. Um, you know, I, what I liked about this movie is it's a little similar to, uh, oh shoot, it just jumped out of my head, but Robert Redford and, um, oh, uh, a three days of the condor. No, but with, with, so, you know, you have the journalists that are trying to figure this out equally. Oh, it's not, men. yes, all the presidents men. Um, oh, so, man. You know, you have journalists here that are think about that one in uh Downey Jr. and Joan Hall that are trying to, and if not, are way more invested in solving this crime than you know Ruffalo and Anthony Edwards. Um, yeah, to your point, you know, we're all still in the dark on who the hell the Zodiac killer was. You get no resolve yeah. at the end of this movie. There's some theories out there as to who it was. Uh, I kind of yeah, dug around you a little in a direction, bit, but. You know, um, so so on one hand, it's kind of a shitty mystery movie because there's no aha reveal, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, some some point down the line, we'll we'll have like a ten minute on breaking news at night, figured it out, carry on. Um, but you know, I think it's well done. I think Fincher, this is kind of Fincher doing what he does very well which is tease out this story through multiple characters at the same time. Um, it's very enjoyable. Dark tone. Yeah. Very dark. Yeah. And it was nice to see Downey, like, cause Downey, he gets a little, not campy, but like he gets a little annoying in some of his other roles and, and, and this being a little darker can't really be that jackass that he, that he is as Iron Man and he is in, in some of the other right. roles. Do you want to get into the Marvel thing again? No, they're going to bring up uh, a, a movie that you know Sherlock Holmes is not the, the guy Richie Sherlock Holmes is is neither one is is are on my list, um, which is you know if we want to talk TV, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, but like you know those movies should be right in the wheelhouse of a good mystery, and I love Guy Ritchie, but they're and they're not. But the reason I bring it up is because like exactly what you're talking about, Jeff. Like Downey in those roles are like a little smarmy just you know devil may care and that's what people like about him and that's you know it, it's kind of playing tony stark in in a different way but in this in this you're right he's much more subdued i mean he's, he's downright depressed like you know yeah. one of the last times we see him um yeah it's solid it's it's a long it's a long movie <laughs> you know, similar to yeah, so, so far we have jfk and we have this um <laughs> well yeah. i mean it spans it's, like yeah. i mean zodiac killer started in the 60s oh yeah you know, this movie spans a pretty big time period. So, yeah, Gyllenhaal doesn't case. start investigating him really until, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Keep an eye on the, uh, you know, if, if, if news breaks on that while we're recording. In 2020, we got aliens were true and nobody cared. Maybe this year we'll find out who killed JFK and who the Zodiac killer was. We'll sneak it in on one of these spicy We weeks. deserve it. Yeah. Who Jack the Ripper was? Probably all the same guy. Another unsolved mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Zodiac killer killed <laughs> JFK. We can just you know wrap all this up at once. But well, if you guys if you guys went for pretty prestigious uh, movies with your number four, my number four is not a prestigious movie. It's not a bad movie, and it's not a good movie. It is it is the quintessential forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But if it's on, like, God, I love this movie. 
It is Bruce Willis with hair. I think the last movie with, of Bruce Willis with hair, it's uh, Lucky Number Slevin. And it's a, a Josh, I don't know. If it, first of all, like, have either of you seen this? Yeah, it's been a long time. Okay. Um, it's a movie where, you know, you know who Josh Hartnett's character is. You know that, that he's probably the boy who's grown up, but you don't know how all the pieces fit. It's, it's you know, similar to North by Northwest. It's a mistaken identity, um, but Hartnett plays it so loosely that you, you never really take it that seriously that he's in that much danger. Um, what makes it appealing is the cast that they built around it. It's Bruce Willis, Stanley Tucci, Morgan Freeman. And that's, those, those are really the, the fun characters. And then uh, Josh Hartnett's basically there just to, to be the protagonist and, and not screw it up. Um, not the biggest Lucy Liu fan. She's fine in this. Uh, Robert Forster comes in about three quarters of the way through and just explains everything over the phone to Stanley Tucci. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of a lazy way to explain the mystery, but it's effective and it's fun to kind of see how all the pieces fit together. I mean, it's to me, the reason I like it is because it's, it's a very good, it's a good mystery. It's a better revenge story. That's really satisfying to watch play out. And it's also, I like the interaction between Hartnett and Willis as Willis is this hardened assassin who decides to, to, instead of killing this kid who's like 10 to raise him uh, to basically forego his assassin career for a while and raise this kid to be another assassin. Um, Does that sound like? What's that? It said, who's that sound like? We have a, we have a running Uh, theory, Holly, that Kurt is formerly an assassin, uh, which is why he spent time in Jacksonville, whatever that means. Uh, And (laughs) is taking some time off to raise a family, but will soon be returning to his assassin life. The I thought you were going to go like the born, of all time. the born identity route, but okay. I see where you're going with this. Good. He's too it's nice. He's too nice. Mm-hmm. He's too polite. There's something there. People deserve a little politeness before they, they bite the bullet. But yeah, I get, like, I don't have a whole lot to say about this other than what I just said. It's, it's hundred percent hand up guilty pleasure movie. It should not be probably on any top five list of, of it, it did not do well commercially. It did not do well critically. Um, I probably own one of the 12 copies that are in existence, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love this movie. And I, you know, when we started this podcast, I remember thinking like, I'm going to find a way to talk about Lucky you and you have been champing at the bit to figure this out. And I am so yeah. happy for you. And I've done it. You finally figured out where you can get it in. I really am. I'm gonna I'm sign off. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You, you guys can up and you grow take up. us home. Yeah, I should have made it number one. That's what I really should have done, but I didn't. We made it number Go for four. gold. And that's all we have. To, that's that's. I'm perfectly happy. So Holly, keep us going. What's number three? Okay, since Kurt just did that, I'm gonna do like a <laughs> three and a half category because as we're talking, I'm like I can't leave this out of the top five. Um, I have to put Inside Man. In the top five with Clive Owen. Partly because literal this, inside what, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting him at three and a half. I'm putting this movie at three and a half. Obviously, there are other people I love in this movie, 
Christopher Plummer being another one, but it's just so good. And even rewatching it, there's so much for you to look for, even when you know how it's done. Um, But it definitely is one that keeps you in the dark, literally. Yeah. So um, it, you know, also like the way it's described is like heist slash mystery. And obviously it is a heist movie as well. But the thing that makes it fun to rewatch, I think, is is the the way they're able to pull it off. Not necessarily that you know what they steal. Yeah, it's a role too where like Denzel's not recently in Denzel's career. It seems like he's he's always the one holding the cards. He knows he's in complete control. And in this, like, he's not. He's good. Yeah. He's 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 good at his job and he's effective. But he really, you know, he's he's doing what what they want him to do. More or less. Yeah, this is this could be my favorite Spike Lee movie. Yeah. And you talked about Jodie Foster in the Moms podcast. And it reminded me of all the things that she, all the different things she's done in her career and how she's not willing, or she's not opposed to taking risks or trying new things. I mean, obviously everybody knows she's a good actress, but this was a, this was a different role too. At, around the same time frame, all those movies were like contact what else there was like a bunch of gutsy i mean she was the one that did the the movie with gibson out of the gate where he breaks down and has a a beaver on his hand for a puppet um i think having success a long time in hollywood probably affords you some of that risk taking but you know nell wasn't a slam dunk either (laughs) like something that probably (laughs) should have been done um that's you know that can go one of two directions no this is yeah it's a great pick especially as a I, I support you squeezing it in as a, as a three and a half. I would rather spend more time talking about it and not as much time talking about other things that we can generalize later. So what was your three actual three? My actual three was the Maltese Falcon. I knew it'd be here. I, I rewatched it so that I could talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And of yeah. course it's very famous and um, they categorize it now as being one of the very first, uh, film noirs but it also was the thing that really launched Humphrey Bogart as a leading man from being a gangster actor and it is a classic plot that's done like millions and millions of times but it's really fun to watch and the even knowing the ending it's fun to watch him because he's so good in that role so cool in this I mean it's it's whatever I forget what I read it's like he is embodying what every cop and private eye think what they, (laughs) what they want to be like always is the right thing to say. Women want him. He always, you know, he knows what's going on. It's yeah. He defies authority, like keeps the cops in line and right. um, You know, talks back to what do they call him? Gutman, Sydney green streets character. Yeah. They just like cut the crap and tell me what I want to know or I'm out of here. And it's like, yeah. So he's still got that tough guy element, but yeah, then he can like charm, charm the ladies. Yeah. Cut the crap. Yeah, but yeah, to watch person is terrifying. <laughs> Anytime an old person says cut the crap, you know, you're like serious. Things have, things have not gone well. Yeah. <laughs> I've almost pulled it out unironically a couple of times, which is probably a sign of, of my age. It's not cut good. 
Cut the crap, Finley. <laughs> There's also kids that drive by on their bikes <laughs> that get really close to getting in my lawn that I'm, I'm very close to, to unironically running out and yelling, get off my lawn. So more on that as it develops over time. Oh. <laughs> That's, this is a rabbit hole I can't get into right now. <laughs> lawn care. Oh. I didn't realize that it was John Houston's directorial debut. I didn't know that either. And uh, who is it they wanted to play the part? Somebody who was more famous at the time. And they're like, eh, I don't know. This guy's never directed before. I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to go for this. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Well, to your point, like to watch the movie now, the plot seems cliched, but mm-hmm. to give it credit, it was the first one really to do it. So it's, yeah. yeah, it feels cliche because like you said, everybody ripped off it. Well, and Peter Laurie and Sydney yeah. Greenstreet are like, they're so good. And when those three guys are together, you know, Warner Brothers yeah. knew how to, how to pair them all well yeah. off of each other. No, it's a classic movie. It deserves to be here. So that's, that's a really good overall three from, yeah. from 2.9 to, to four. That's, that's solid representation <laughs> between Maltese Falcon and Inside Man. Jeff, what was it? Do you only have one number three, Jeff? Or are you going to do a, a 3.75? <laughs> I have six number threes. Great. Um, <laughs> and they are. Son of a bitch. In no particular uh, order. <laughs> yeah, in no particular order. So my number three is Hail Caesar, which is actually the opposite, I think, of everything that I've said I like in a mystery movie because you kind of know, like, you, you, you get flashes of where Clooney is the whole time as he's stranded in this house in Malibu. Uh, yeah, kind of liking being captive with the communists. Um, you know, like, what is this house? Yeah, it, no, it's, I was very interested in like, where is this going? Yeah, he did not seem all that upset to be there, <laughs> you know, especially when they come save him and he's just like eating food. Yeah, um, you know, this is a typical Coen Brothers film, uh, very odd. Lots of tiny little subplots going on that are really distractions at the end of the day. Um, but fun. And yeah. But, but they add to the mystery because yeah. you because you like you kind of dive into some of these things and you're like, is, is this relevant? Is it not relevant? You know, like, yeah, why, you know, why is Channing Tatum so involved in this movie? I can't really. And then <laughs> leading the communist. Tilda out Swinton, really? Two characters? Yeah. Oh, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, he's on it. Oh, yeah. He's holding a small dog on a submarine. That's not how I envisioned yeah. you know, the last 20 minutes of that movie. Spoiler alert. Right. Um, but it's, I, no. It, it, if you haven't I, seen I, the movie, the visual you just got was very strange. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it, it's pretty true to form of how the movie actually is. To your point, I mean, the Coens do have this like running thing of, of between, I mean, Burn After Reading isn't really a mystery. It, it's not actually. They're, um and Fargo isn't really either. Um, Lebowski, Lebowski toes the line a Lebowski little bit. Lebowski is a little bit. Yeah. But you figure but there's it like out. there's traces of, yeah. 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 They're just really good storytellers. And technically, if you don't know the ending to any story, it is a mystery to some extent. So that's I think true. that's why. Yeah. But with this one, it leans more towards mystery for sure. I just watched, uh, not for this podcast, I just watched Blood Simple uh, a couple weeks ago. And... It's, I think it was their first movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's up there. I think it's before Miller's Crossing. Um, 
but like, you know, it's an hour and a half and it's a very straightforward crime story. And to, to, to list the synopsis just sounds like, eh, it sounds like pretty bland, but they're just so good at, at storytelling. So anyway, Jeff, now that I've totally derailed like, what you want to talk about with, with Hail Caesar. No, I, I love this movie. I think it's one of Brolin's I think he crushes uh, best movies. Yeah. And his, his character in this like, movie, his character in this movie is no, like I, intoxicating. Like the, the, his, the whole premise of what yeah. his job is, is just like a fixer to, you know, hide studio screw ups and, and make everybody look good. The fact that he's constantly in confession. Um, he's like trying to quit smoking. <laughs> I forgot that. He, he tells his wife he's going to quit smoking on the day that, you know, Clooney goes missing. Um, I picked a bad day to quit huffing glue. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is one of his best roles. I mean, he, and he's had some heavy hitters, but mm-hmm. he's all over. It. Yeah. I mean, no country is probably the most well-known Cohen. If I said Cohen brothers and Josh Brolin, you could you'd go to no country, but I mean, no shade on that movie. I, I think this is great. It, it kind of came and went, it didn't get panned, but it also wasn't really, I don't know. I, I just feel like they, it's clear they love old Hollywood and they, yes. they very clearly wanted to do a movie about old Hollywood. And honestly, I mean, uh, the Oscars kind of tends to eat that up. So mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised this wasn't better received, but they maybe just, I mean, it wasn't, it came out like a February if I remember right. So they probably just didn't even care. Um, no, it leaned pull. more towards campy, I think for the Oscars. It's a Yo, little, for sure. It was a little not too a best much. picture. Yeah. No. No, no. But still a guilty pleasure. I've actually watched it twice because I it's like you almost don't realize, oh yeah. Like if you start watching it, you don't know what it is. I'm like, I oh yeah, say, I know what this is. <laughs> I will say if I had one thing to detract on it is Clooney, like in, in Burn After Reading and in this, Clooney tends to to go a little too far into like camp. Mm. um and, and almost like overact and it's it, it's not bad it's just like i don't think that that's where he's at his best i think he's at his best in something like a michael clayton or like the descendants where things are like not going well for him and he he's not great funny more subdued. no i i think that he's very charming I mean, like he's he's good in like in oceans 11 where he has yeah, to, like danny like, ocean yeah yeah but now where he's being where goofy, he has the like, upper yeah. hand right but where he's goofy and kind of like, yeah, Jeff, to your point, like that kind of funny, like he doesn't, I don't think he plays well in that, but he also doesn't wear the bat suit. Great. Yeah. The nipples are too big. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so my number three is the Christopher Nolan movie. Jeff, we may, we may have talked about this before. I don't think we've spent enough time on the prestige. Um, I think it's time to go back to it. It's actually not. It's not the prestige, but it could have. I almost been. walked right out of been. this office. It could have been. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it, it very easily could have been. But I, God knows that that Matt and I did a full. <laughs> could have been a podcast within a podcast. Hour? just about the prestige. Uh, so what? What this is is Memento, um, mm. which was Yay! Christopher Nolan's not first movie. Following was his first movie, but this was his first like bigger movie. Um, Feels like a small movie. Doesn't feel like a Christopher Nolan movie watching it this time. I mean, his next movie was Insomnia, which was, uh, you know, Pacino and, and Robin Williams about a murder, which was 
not a mystery because they tell you pretty early on that Robin Williams did it. It's just whether or not Pacino can prove that he did it um, while he doesn't sleep. But you know, this, this feels like a much smaller movie um, because it is smaller cast. It's, it's essentially Guy Pierce, uh, Carrie Ann Moss and Joe Pantoliano. Um, they got, they originally wanted Brad Pitt for the role which I could see a world where he, he does that. I think it's a different movie. It probably would have been a bigger budget movie if that were done because this was 2000, I think. And Pitt was pretty established by that point. Um, couldn't get him. They looked at Aaron Eckhart and Thomas Jane, which are also two. I think that would have been fine. Actually, I don't, I mean, I like Thomas Jane. Um, I don't know how it would have been with him it's hard, it's hard to think about it without guy pierce and aaron eckhart is almost like too good looking to yeah i don't know they're like with the tattoos and i, I don't know um it, it, i just watched this again i love i mean i've talked about it before on this podcast like, i love guy pierce um i think that this was i mean definitely a top three role i don't want to go through like what each of his roles are but there's a certain uh smugness to to him playing uh, Leonard, you know, which is bold for a guy who literally has no idea what's going on other than the Polaroids in his pocket. Um, I think this would have been a, an interesting movie if it were, and I think there is a version where it's shot chronologically. Um, I think it would have been a good movie. I think it would not have been as well remembered if they had they not shot it as essentially every 10 minutes is a new mystery of of how did he end up in this position and how did he end up in this position? And his whole life is essentially a mystery. And then obviously you're building up to the whole, you know, the person that he kills at the beginning is not really his John G and he's setting himself up basically to commit a murder. Um, I just thought it was really creative. It, it holds up, you know, 20 years later. Um, I think it gets talked about enough as, as part of Christopher Nolan's filmography, but I'm interested. I mean, do, the first time, do you guys remember the first time you watched this? Could you follow what was going on? Or was this one where you like, you had to, to walk out of there and then say like, I got to watch that again because I'm, I'm kind of lost. It was uh, like an art house, the, you know, theater film. So I remember seeing it in the theater, uh, the Keystone, the theater that was there at the time. And it was, it was definitely one to talk about the whole car ride home. So just trying to figure it all out. Yeah, there's also uh, the aspect of uh, of sorry, Jeff, the the, uh, the, the Stephen Toblowski, the Sammy Jenkins um, character that that it's implied that that that's really Leonard. Um, and I think watching it again, him making a tattoo of on his leg with a license plate, and like how deftly he can use the needle. I think that implies it because he had to give his wife his insulin shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're made to believe that like that's proof that like, you know, he's just so good at doing this or if he's just given himself enough tattoos, he knows what he's doing. I could be reading more into it, but mm. sorry, Jeff, I cut you off. Whoa. No, I was, this was one I had to watch more than once to, to digest it um, for sure. So, and, and I did not see this in theater. I mean, I, this was something that, you know, I watched at home uh, over time. So, yeah, this is a movie that's it's if you're gonna watch it for the first time now, it'd be better because like 
you can pause and you can pull up Wikipedia and be like, right. what the hell is happening? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Uh, interesting. Carrie Ann Moss like had the matrix and she had this mm-hmm. and I really struggled. I don't know if I know of anything else that she's been in. I mean, I'm sure I could pull up IMDb and, and check, but I don't think, I don't think of her as a bad actress. I'm just interested. Like, I, I don't know what happened that she just couldn't really get work, but who knows? Sure I think it was fine. more that she just kept getting the same types of scripts or the same types of roles. The Trinity once the Ma- type. Yeah, yeah, once Matrix was so successful. Yeah. She was in a few other things, but it wasn't anything. Again, I'd have to pull up IMDb. I feel like there was one about outer space, like space travel or something. But yeah. That could, yeah. It's not great. It's, a TV show. it's not. Yeah. I, I just pulled it up. It, I mean, it's it's a lot you look of depressed. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot of nothing. a lot of TNT. Mm-hmm. There's a video this game. In there, but... Ooh, there's, there's a video, video game. game. Yeah. Ooh. Not the strongest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk it's about tough. something happier. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about Holly's number two. Gosford Park. Yeah, that'd be here too. <laughs> two Clive Owens in my top five and a half it's true <laughs> so i couldn't i can't avoid it though i i can't i broke my own rule my own musical rule and have the same actor twice although he was not anybody at the time that this movie came out and this is another like all all-star cast upstairs downstairs julian fellows wrote the script this was almost a decade before downton abbey but it very much feels like downton abbey in a film but with Robert Altman directing it. And it's great because at some point you do have a suspicion of who who actually committed the murder and there is a twist, but the best part about this is that Stephen Fry's character, the detective, he doesn't care to like consider any of the downstairs people as suspects and uh, the rich people are ready to leave and he's like, okay, I think we're about done. You can go home now. And two people get away with murder. Mm. Technically. Yeah. Yeah, this was one. Um, I, I knew you loved this movie. Um, I watched it so I, many, I, many, many times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've never seen uh, it. You should see it. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, it's a big cast. So it's one of those where like it's almost overwhelming as the as the movie starts because you're like oh my god like who not not big casts and like well known just like you got to figure out like who who is everybody's name here um, but then like once you get a sense of who's who then it's like things start making more sense um, yeah the, I, w- I won't give the context in case Jeff wants to watch it but this this was close to making my uh, top siblings uh, just for the last ten minutes of you know, her just coming in and saying like, they'll hear you. Like, you have to be quiet. Like don't, they'll yeah. hear you. Um, yeah. That's like, but yeah, that's, that was a really, that kind of gets me every time. I don't know why, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, really it's a fun movie too. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a big, you know, classic big house. Someone's dead. Who is it? Yeah. Uh, 1930s hunting party. <laughs> yeah. Like it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Could have used Martin Mull. I would not have objected to to a uh, to a Martin Mull. Anything with Helen yeah. Mirren 
Helen Mirren, I'm going to like give it a shot. Like no pun intended. Yeah. Jeremy Northam when he was like still very important. Now I don't think people even know who he is. Same with, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say this. I doubt he's listening, but Ryan Felipe. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. He could be one of the two people not on this podcast right now. <laughs> or his the, other one's, the other one's Matt. So it could be, he could be our only unknown listener. <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, come on and defend yourself. Um, now, Stephen Fry is, is great too. I mean, I, I've talked before about that show, Black Adder, that, that Richard yeah. Curtis, the guy who wrote like About Time and uh, uh, Love Actually and Four Weddings and the Funeral and the Mr. Bean show, which is, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Um, <laughs> he's he's fantastic in that show too. Um, I don't know. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just wanted to throw it in because I can. Mm-hmm. Uh Solid too. That that takes care of one of my honorable mentions. So thank you for doing that. Um, Jeff, is it another David Fincher movie in number two? It is. <laughs> what what are you looking at my screen? Which one do you think it is? is? It's a mystery. Uh, is it uh, is it what's in the box or is it uh, uh, it's what's in the box? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Gone Girl. Would be, I, I don't have it. I don't have a line from Gone Girl that I can. That I can say, bitch. Than, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs it up. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's Ben Affleck in the shower. Yep, yeah, that could be a lot of movies. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> so. This is, I mean, you kind of figure like Spacey gets revealed, and then there's still a lot. What a reveal! Things. Yeah, right. Right. So like you Did have that throw that you the first time. Yeah. For sure. Not just not just that it's Kevin Spacey, but just like they're showing me this guy and there's still this much time left. So what it's a feeling oh. of it was a feeling of dread almost of like, oh God, like you know. Well, I didn't believe it. The movie's the movie's not gonna end with catching him. You know that. So yeah. Yeah, no, well, I didn't believe it. I figured I was like, Oh, this is this is some guy, like this is a diversion. He's not the real guy. Like he, there's no way this guy really showed up with his fingers cut off. He must be a, a future victim. And then as they're in the car, I was like, oh, no, this is the guy. This is definitely the guy. Um, and now what the hell's about to happen, right? Um, this probably straddles suspense further away than mystery. But it, maybe it's mystery up until you meet John Doe. And then you go straight into suspense. Um, yeah, I think it's both. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the spacey thing uh, doesn't take away from me. I mean, like it, 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 he take, I can't watch a lot of things now, um, you know, House of Cards, et cetera. But this movie is, seems to be impervious to that effect. It's, I think, you know, you and I talked last week about, Felicia Rashad, you know, the, the Cosby show kind of getting lost uh, yeah. because of, of what Bill Cosby actually did and, and how because of it. Yeah. I like that one though. Of all of, of as tangents go for us, it was one of the better ones. Um, unlike what I just said. So, you know, I, I think in this, this is kind of the opposite where like, you know, Bill Cosby plays Cliff Huxtable as a clean cut 
image of what people expect of him and, and knowing that, that in real life, he's the opposite of that. I think it takes away from, from watching the Cosby show. Whereas in, in seven Spacey's playing a completely deranged psychopath. Right. Um, and so it's kind of like, uh, you know, seems like a scumbag in real life. Like it's not really <laughs> to try, you know, I, I, I want to hate him in, I hate him in seven, you know, I hate the character yeah. um, or, or I don't root for him. So I don't, you know, and, and I don't root for him in real life. So, you know what I mean? Like, whereas in like, I'm trying to think of a movie where he's the protagonist, like pay it forward is going to ring a little yeah. hollow, with, you know? Right. Like, oh, like, you know, not really a good guy. So no, I, yeah. Same I, with I, usual I suspects. It takes away. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. Yeah. Even something like Margin Call, it hasn't really taken that much away. It's probably speaks to more of how strong that movie is otherwise. But anyway, before I go down a mar- Margin Call rabbit hole. Um, yeah, this was, this was, uh, I'm stealing from, from the point there were three watchables made when they talked about this movie, but Morgan Freeman does Shawshank and this back to back. And that's, that's either the, the, the Tom Hanks, uh, Philadelphia Forrest Gump, uh, yeah. Apollo 13 run, like just hang it, Toy Story, just hang it up after that. Like, this, do you think what else you can do? It's, it's not gonna get better. Yeah. Like, Pick goes to jail, right? Like, does he get off? I don't think he does. He's not a cop anymore, but I, I, I'm sure you could argue temporary insanity and I, yeah. Crime of passion or something. I did wonder, that's one of the first things you wonder is, is he sitting in the back of the car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, you know, uh, Freeman clearly is no longer retiring. As he says, I'll see you around. Um, Worth fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a, I mean, like it, it rains the whole movie until really that car ride out into the desert. Um, they never name the city. It's, it's an awful again, place. You know, oh, it, 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 it's, it's, like it's got to be Cleveland. <laughs> be I don't know guess. where they actually shot it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I, I talked about like uh, in Panic Room that, that that's a different movie if someone else directs it. I think the same thing with with Seven. Um, it's really, I mean, that that's that's really what paved the way for him. This is an interesting John Landis movie. <laughs> <laughs> a little lighter. Yeah. 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 Just a tad. No, that's uh I, I figured it'd be on the list somewhere. Uh I'm glad it's here. It also takes care of one of my audible mentions. So thank you again. Um I am gonna say for my number two, a uh a more recent movie. Um, Knives Out. It's uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, Who Done It. Uh, so good. It's so good, and I think it's good because it combines a really good mystery with a really good and fun character that Daniel Craig clearly had a really good time playing, and it combines all of that with watching a dysfunctional family. So it's like if a murder happened on the show succession and they brought in Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock Holmes to solve it. And so there's all these different things that, that are going on that, that you can, you know, there's something for everybody to like, 
Um, and, mm-hmm. and similar to what we talked about earlier, there are things you don't know. You don't know really what happened. You're kind of following along with Daniel Craig about why was he hired? How did this guy, you know, who really killed this guy? But you do know, uh, I can't think of her name. Um, uh, you know, Christopher Plummer's caretaker, you know what her involvement was. So, you know, in a way it's, it's kind of that suspenseful, like, oh, I hope she doesn't get caught, you know, for, yeah. for about a third to two thirds of the movie. Um, yeah, just so good on so many levels. Chris Evans, I, I think plays well into his strengths of being charming when he needs to be, but then being really diabolical. Um, I will say as, as one aside, uh, I, I watched an interview with Ryan Johnson who said that uh, when they were filming the movie, the scene where uh, Chris Evans comes into the house before the will reading, he's sitting uh, in a chair and he has to, he has to check his phone for some reason. And he wanted to have uh, uh, an iPhone and Apple said, no, anyone who turns out to be the antagonist of a movie is not allowed to use an Apple product. So Johnson was like, if you, if you ever want a tip about like who, if you see, you know, if, if, if there's seven people in a room, one of them committed the murder and somebody pulls out like an Apple product, you're like, well, it's not them. So <laughs> he's like, I kind of ruined mystery movies for me in a, in a weird way. So I don't know. I just thought that was a weird stance by Apple of like, you can use our product, but we don't want anyone thinking that murderers use our products. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was a really fun movie. Um, having, having Daniel Craig play a Southern guy is, uh, was a nice touch, <laughs> but. Yeah, it stands on its own. It doesn't, you know, even though it's similar to many movies like it in the past, it, it, it is its own and was very enjoyable to watch. I definitely, as soon as I watched it, was telling people, you should watch this movie. And uh, I think we all needed something like that to watch over the past year. It's a fun distraction. All the pieces fit too, by the end. Like nothing seemed, I mean, sure there's things you have like, well, I don't know if somebody would have reacted that way about it, but it didn't stretch believability that much and everything kind of fit together. But you know, a donut hole in a donut hole is, is uh, as Craig's character says. Mm-hmm. Jeff, did you see this? It's basically like Clue. Uh, yeah, well, that's what it looked like. like. I mean, no, I've seen the no previous word. I didn't jump at it because I, I almost thought it was like, it looks campy from the outside. Yeah. It looks like it's like almost like a Clue reboot. Um, but the casting makes me believe in, to everything you just said that that's really not that true. Um, yeah. I held off watching it for a while. I, I, I knew it was something I should watch. Um, and I, I, I think maybe for the same reasons you just said, I kind of held off and then I dove in and yeah, it was well worth it. So it's very smart. It's smart and sharp and it plays a little bit on you going in thinking it's going to be campy, but it's, it proves itself. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, that takes us all the way to number one. So, Holly, if you really do only have one more and not 
one, one and a half, mm. one and three quarters? Well, technically my number one is, because there's no rules, there's no six pack, right? My right. number one is, I would just say like Hitchcock, period. Um, but if I had to pick- That's fair. My, my favorite Hitchcock is still North by Northwest. But having rewatched it last night, I would say it's still my number one. So it's my number one on my little spreadsheet that I'm looking at right now. But Rear Window is really, I think, the best mystery movie in the sense of you're with the characters. There's just all the different suspects laid out right in front of you through their windows. And you have to try to figure it out along with the characters. But North by Northwest is cinematically just such a masterpiece. And also, as I was rewatching it, I'm like, this is very Mad Men. Like, he is literally an ad guy. He's in that suit. He's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. got the windows that he would don from me falling down. I mean, his superpower um, is he can still drive a car after consuming <laughs> copious amounts yeah. of bourbon. Yeah, they go to the such police, uh, to such extravagant lengths to kill him in in outlandish ways, rather than just kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the Doctor Evil. He has to die by by laser beam sharks instead of <laughs> just shooting him in the head. Yeah, the character so just does it all so well. It's so fun to watch him do Hitchcock because it's a different part of his career, and he's yeah allowed to just be him and be charming, but also like do all these things and slick dress shoes like i'm like there's yeah. no way you're scaling that frank lloyd right home with those shoes on dude no way are you uh are you team carrie grant or team jimmy stewart and did that did that play into oh. <laughs> i mean i'm, t- I'm team it, jimmy stewart i'll get i'll get rid right yeah. of that i mean philadelphia story is one of my top five movies because they're in it together and yes they do don't they <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder if i might have another drink which is actually funny because in when he's being interviewed by the police officer and he says how much bourbon did they give you and he holds his hands up yes this much and i feel like it was kind of a callback to like jimmy stewart's performance in Philadelphia Philadelphia story. Story, yeah, yeah. but yeah um i i'm carrie grant ultimately as much as i love both of them in hitchcock I I like what he does with Cary Grant's talent yeah. at that point in his career. I think Jimmy Stewart could have done other things and been successful, and he does an excellent job as well. But it just all the glamour, like to catch a thief, all the glamour of Hitchcock movies with Grace Kelly, all these gorgeous high school blondes is fun. Yeah. No, that's I I full support of of I mean, we probably could have done a top five Hitchcock. I would have had some homework to do. Um but still pretty possible. telling that you could still possible, yeah. Nothing but time. So the Mount oh, Rushmore until my third child's born. <laughs> yeah. That Mount Rushmore chase scene, uh kind of like the whole thing with Apple. You're not allowed to do anything that's like considered bad. Like <laughs> on the national monument so they had to just use like still photos when they're in the observation deck and then when they're actually scaling it at the end it is a set that they built which is insane 
That's impressive. Love to see those. So weird that they, yeah. Nobody Um, told Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx that rule with White House down because they (laughs) they blow that shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Roland Emmerich doesn't care. Just can't be the real one. Can't be the real one. Oh, so Um, Independence Day didn't blow up the real White House. It's not the real one. Okay, just a movie. Fair enough. Uh, Jeff, what, what was your what was your chop choice? My chop choice. That was uh, <laughs> it. Was just I'm spoiled. Actually. One screw up. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, about this much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usual suspects. So Holly actually just mentioned it. So you know the entirety of this movie, you know. Who the fuck is Kaiser Sose? Like the <laughs> entire time. And I remember being a kid. This came out in 95. I did not see it in 95. Um, I saw it much later. But I remember my one cousin talking about Kaiser Sose. And then it was like this thing where, where I'm like, well, who is he? And he's like, well, you, you don't know. And it was like, I got to see this movie. I got to find out who the hell Kaiser Sose is. I don't even know what Kaiser Sose is. Is it a person? Like, you know, and as you're going through it, you know, another great cast, you have Spacey. Well, all right. So there's a great cast outside of Spacey. So there's Spacey, Benicio Del Toro, Kevin Pollack. Um, I'm going to screw up his last name. Pete. Pete. Postlewaite. Yeah, I love him. Pete. Yeah. He's yeah. Tremendous. He died a few years ago, which is a shame. Um, yeah. But he's, you know, you think he's Kaiser for a little while. I thought Kevin Pollack was going to end up being Kaiser associate for the majority of the movie. Uh, kind of after you rule out uh, Gabrielle Brin. But, you know, the minute that limp, it's so subtle, like, and it's so well done. In the final moments of this movie, it just goes away. Yeah. You know, oh, greatest, greatest trick the devil ever pulled was, you know, convincing him the world he didn't exist. It's so well done. And it feels, it feels like a happy ending almost. Like it this does. guy is terrible, but it's such yeah. a cool ending. Hops in the car, he gets away, and yeah. like Pete just looks at him, and he even he's smoking the cigarette in it with a European, with the underneath, uh, holding underneath the cigarette rather than the American, right? Between the two fingers, um, similar to the, the uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards, the holding up, yeah, the three, the three instead of yeah, uh-huh. yeah, um, yeah, such you know. I didn't see the ending coming somehow. Again, it came out in 95, but I don't even know when I saw it. It was in college. So it had to be post 2003. I had somehow made it that whole time without knowing what the ending was, despite it being one of the biggest twist endings of all time. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Another one that would not have survived I... well uh, in 2007, right? People would have been posted no. all over line. It's Kevin Spacey. And they're like, damn it. There would have been memes. <laughs> it would have like it would have been memes. There would have been like, you know, they would have it would have been maybe a, a one month at best grace period. And then you, it's on you that you haven't seen this yet. Yeah. 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 Brian Singer's real first big success, too. That's weird. Yeah. That's a solid number one. Uh yeah. my number one. Uh I already had Josh Hartnett, half of the Pearl Harbor 
duo in uh, oh boy. earlier in the list. Oh, Jesus Christ. The other, the other half of, of the Pearl Harbor duo, Ben Affleck. Uh, he's not in the movie. He directs it. It's uh, Gone Baby Gone. Um, oh. I love this movie. I don't know if it was because of when I went in, I didn't have, I saw it in theaters in 2007. I didn't have high expectations. Um, you know, I knew Ben Affleck directed it. Um, he, you know, starting from Pearl Harbor, he had done things like Daredevil, Gigli, Surviving Christmas. We had gone through the, the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez thing. Um, it was fun. Even, it was, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. Even stuff that like should have worked. Like he gets, I remember that he got the sum of all fears and Matt Damon got the born identity. And it's like, Oh, the sum of all fears, Tom Clancy novel, like this is going to be the, and, and like born identity had like a ton of production issues. It got delayed. No one knew like what that character was really. It was a Ludlum novel. Um, or at least it wasn't as well known. And some of all fears was met with, I guess, like just tepidness of like, eh, it was all right. And obviously Born Identity goes on to be the Born Identity. Um, the beginning so like of your just, career. Yeah, that's right. He just couldn't, Affleck just couldn't get it right. So like in a weird, we, I think we're now on the, well the second iteration of the Ben Affleck comeback. But in this time, I mean, this, he made the smart decision to take time off. Then he took small roles in Smoking and Aces and Hollywood Land. Um, and then he made the really smart decision, I thought, to not be in this. Because I think if he does the role that, he, that his brother does, I think it's a different movie and I think it's a worse movie. I think Casey Affleck brings a lot to this role. I think Michelle Monaghan, who's another actress who probably doesn't get enough credit, um, especially for the, the first season of True Detective, was such a, a powerhouse of Harrelson and McConaughey that, that she kind of got lost in the shuffle, but she's phenomenal in that show. Um, between the two of them and Ed Harris and Amy Ryan, who before that I had really only seen as uh, oh, the cop in in, uh, in the wire, um, Beatty, I think, um, and then later on in the office, which is two, three very different roles. Um, Holly, I, I thought it was a great. It, it's it's a it's a gritty movie. It's a side of Boston that that is not glamorous. Um, it's about a child abduction, so it's a, you know just dark matter in general, but I, I don't know why I find the movie so compelling. Part of it was, you know, I think Holly, you talked about leaving the theater memento and, and talking about it. I mean, this, this was like one of the all time, I mean, getting in arguments with people about like whether or not he should have ratted on Morgan Freeman. Um, and I think it's a, it, it, it's a great last shot of the movie where, you know, spoiler alert, the, the uh, Amanda is back uh, with her mother who doesn't really seem to have changed is going to go out on the town and Casey Affleck volunteers to babysit. And it's just the two of them sitting on the couch and him kind of looking at her. And you can tell like the, the internalization of did I do the right thing or not? Um, I, I still don't know what the right answer is. I go, depending on when I watch the movie, I go back and forth about what should have been done. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll shut up. I don't know if either one of you have strong opinions about this or not. What had Casey Affleck done that was serious before this? Goodwill Hunting. So really not, I mean, 
This this not, was not, the ocean. Yeah, not in a major way. Right. That's yeah. not like you know he was great. Not that he wasn't great in oceans. You guys covered that well, but um, yeah, it was really smart, like you said, for Ben to direct and cast him instead. He's a really good director too. Yeah. Um, I think if things are done, so this movie didn't get a whole lot of, it didn't get, I think critics liked it um, and it got enough attention. It got but commercially, yeah. Yeah, commercially it didn't really land. No. I think if he did, like, if he did this now, if, he, if the order was instead, if he did Live by Night instead of this first, and then he did The Town and Argo, and then he did this, I think <laughs> that this would have been much better received. But it is a pretty dark, again, like it's not, it's not light material. Um, these whole, mm -hmm. this whole series of books is, uh, you know, it's the same guy that wrote Mystic River. Um, they're mm -hmm. not happy books. Uh, but for whatever reason, like I, I own this and I keep going back to, to watching it every couple of years. So yeah, it's my number one. Mystic River it's, made my uh, you know, honorable. Yeah. Right there. It's a good one too. Not happy. Uh, same author, Shutter Island, made my honorable mention too. Um, yeah. Movies that are, I'm trying to think how to say this in the best way. Right and wrong. You know, when you're a child, you think it's very clear cut. And movies, the older we get too, you know, like when you become an adult and watch some of these films and you, it, it causes you to pause and think like, what is the right thing? What would I do in that situation? Because it's not, it's not black and white. It's not cut and dry. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Jeff, what'd you have for honorable mention? Uh, I had Mystic River. I had, shoot, I just closed it. Um... <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, it's great. Dad it's joke. About, yeah, it's about this guy Dad who had joke. his Google sheet up and then he closed it and then they couldn't finish the podcast. And they're like, well, who really sucks on the podcast? Well, it's probably Jeff. <laughs> and as he's talking and trying to reopen it, he can't focus. Yeah, because you can't multitask after you play Mr. Mom all weekend too much. I can't multitask at all, let alone. Just period, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I had Mystic River. I did have Gone Girl on there. Um, but it, Gone Girl, I don't know how mystery it is as much as it's it's because again, no. you find out fairly early on in the movie that she's framing him. Um, mm -hmm. I had Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Speaking of framing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I considered that talk about movies that screwed me up. My god. <laughs> Mr. Smee. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, that is a children's film, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not Zemeckis's, uh best hour. Yeah. And then uh, I actually have the great Muppet Caper on here. As an honorable mention, but really more in that um, Charles Grodin died today. So I wanted to, I just wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I saw that. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That really sucks. Yeah. So, and he, I think you and I texted. It's hitting me harder just, than I thought it would. We just watched 
Charlotte and I just watched this the other day. Actually, after you guys, I think, brought up Muppets in musicals. And you want to talk about somebody going for broke in a movie. It's Charles Croden and Great Muppet Caper. He's he's having a blast. <laughs> he's having oh, yeah. a great time at that. Yeah. Uh, Diana Rigg, the, who yeah. played uh, Lady Elena in, in Game of Thrones, she's uh, Lady Holiday. But the, I mean, I think we talked about it, Holly, in the, the Muppets discussion. It's probably, I don't know, Steve Martin's cameo in, in the Muppet movie is great. But John Cleese as the bored <laughs> British homeowner who just could not be bothered that there's a pig climbing the Doesn't. house, breaking into the house. Just Couldn't <laughs> give less. No. Mm-mm. He's a okay. pig climbing up the side of the house. <laughs> uh, that's a good, that's a good list. Um, Holly, I'll let you go last. I, I'll, I'll say that my, my true honorable mention was, was charade, um, which was remade as, as the truth about Charlie. Uh, it's a, a going back to Cary Grant, Cary Grant, mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn, Walter Matthau, um, uh, yeah. George Kennedy, a good it's a nice like mystery movie that that holds up well i mean the main thing i wanted to say is like i really hadn't seen hardly anything of of audrey hepburn in in her prime and my god like she is strikingly beautiful i mean she could be one of the most beautiful people that's ever lived and so uh, when i see people like that i wonder like if you weren't in movies, like what would you do? Like, you know, mm-hmm. would you know? Would you have been a lawyer? And if so, like when you walked in, it just would have been like, what the? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing here? It's yeah. Very distracting. You win. Yeah, like, can you go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like really, any job. It's like, yeah. I'm defending yeah. the Zodiac killer. Yeah, he didn't do it. It's fine. Just, just. Give if it. she was a Zodiac killer, it would have been like, thank you. May I have another? Um, so anyway, that's that. That was the main. You know, it's 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 a good movie. I you know, um, great ending. Uh, the other ones I had were uh, a couple of movies we talked about before. <clears throat> L.A. Confidential. Shout out Guy Pierce. Um, yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is just a Robert Downey Jr. Val Kilmer, written directed by Shane Black movie. That smaller movie. Michelle Monaghan again actually. Um, Smaller movie that didn't really get seen a lot, but I think it's it's great. He kind of did the same thing again with with the nice guys a few years later with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Yeah, um, yeah, I liked that a lot. I did have that and on the my other. List. Yeah, nice. And then the other two uh, prisoners, um, the Hugh Jackman and, and Jake Gyllenhaal, is Dennis Villanueva's one of his first movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minority Report. I don't know if it's a real mystery or not. It's I don't know. I, I don't classify it really as that. Um, and the other one that I had, we talked about Sherlock Holmes already. Not as an hour. I just wanted to bring up movies that, that you would think would be on here, but just didn't really land. Um, Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes is one of them. And I, I don't know what I thought. Murder on the Orient Express. Like I like Kenneth Branagh. I just like, I, I don't know. Some things don't need to be remade. And I haven't seen yeah. the one about the, the murder on the Nile. Um, I don't know. They're just going to leave me kind of cold, but yeah. I watched both uh, the 70s version and the Kenneth Branagh remake. And I love me some Kenneth Branagh and I believe in his talent as a director as well. But, and there's, there are some things about 
the 70s version that are kind of like what we talked about with oh like the weird part of staying in the rain you know where you're just like okay like the whistle is blowing on the train like can we move on to the plot like I don't understand why this is taking so long for us to get to the part of the story but if you take that away and the fact that they're doing like extreme close-ups on actors with like really bad makeup the acting and the story and everything it's much better than I don't know if it was just who was cast in the remake or what. Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't. Need the Johnny story Depp in is there. great. Yeah, Jeff, do you know the story of Murder on the Orient Express? No. no. Okay, I won't ruin it for you. But I mean, it's Kaiser one of Agatha Christie's. Yeah, Again? one of Agatha Christie's most famous. But it's uh, it's almost like Brana tried to take too much like scenery stuff with it it's like just get to the story it's about who yeah. did it right so who knows yeah, people are there literally for, yeah. they're trapped on a train and we know the person has to be on the train so let's figure yeah. it out and then he did it again so. with the, on the nile where like instead of a train what if they're on a boat yeah. <laughs> yeah what if they're on a hot air balloon you know for for the eighth sequel um no right. so anyway holly what would you have uh to round us out here anything else that you want to mention i had uh so i had Murder on the Orient Express, just like both in quotes. Memento, Knives Out, Usual Suspects. So you guys covered all that. Fight Club, kind of. Oh, that's great. Like, I, like weird, I mean, twisty. Yeah. Maybe more twist than because I didn't know I was watching a mystery. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's similar to, it's kind of similar to Sixth Sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hindsight there. Like, Do you uh-huh. think you're watching one movie and then. Yeah, yeah. Kind of oh, he's nuts. Watching. <laughs> Do we list every Fincher movie? Is, yeah, is, okay. is Alien Three? Alien Three is bingo. You didn't know that yeah, she's she's really yeah yeah. And then uh, Chinatown, I also had on Ooh. here, which is yeah a classic as well. Um, yeah. So I will say regarding Sherlock Holmes, it's disappointing that we don't have a Sherlock Holmes movie that we feel solid enough about to have in a top five, because I feel like television has done such a good job with it. But then I got thinking about this and you guys talked about this towards the beginning of the podcast of mysteries. It's easier to lay that plot out in either like a 45 minute episode or in a mini series, like the way we're used to watching TV now. And I think that that's why Sherlock like Sherlock is my favorite version of Sherlock Holmes, but any of the Holmes stories are really better told on television than they have been in film because it's less about character development and more about the actual mystery itself. And that's why like Basil Rathbone's portrayal was so good is they did kind of the equivalent of TV episode length movies. I mean, they were barely over an hour long because yeah. this, they're short stories for the most part. So how much story are you going to get get out of this? So when they just let him be Holmes and solve the mystery, then it's fun right. to watch. When they try to drag it out and like, you know, either make it like some different type of genre, just let it be Sherlock Holmes and Watson. That's all you want. Yeah. Well, and then they try to, to pull in a lot of combat, um, which is, yeah, you could argue that's that's a 
small part of who Sherlock Holmes was, but not not the overarching bad combat driver. But yeah, poorly choreographed. Yeah, this is good. Now the big mystery is who's going to listen to it. But either <laughs> way, I had fun. Um, thanks to both of you for doing this. Jeff, you don't have a yeah. choice. You're co-creator, so you're in it one way or another. Yeah, I'm stuck. We need to keep working, working old Hollywood into these. So yeah, keep it up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Richard Dreyfus can't pull himself out of the coma fast enough to object to uh, to Bob marrying his sister. <laughs> I don't know. It's I love that movie. Um, and that's it. And uh, before we, we vote, I, I have something that is not in my in my honorable mentions. And it's so bad that I wanted to bring it up briefly. Um, it's Table 19, which is a, a movie that is an hour and 20 minutes long that stars Anna Kendrick and Craig Robinson and Stephen Merchant and a lot of people that I generally enjoy the work of, but it's really bad. And I watched it because the whole movie takes place at a wedding. And so I was like, Oh, this could fit in. You know, if I like it, maybe it's an honorable mention. Right. I would not waste your time. My main flaw with the movie is Anna Kendrick plays a character who we meet her and she's debating going to the wedding of her best friend. And the reason why is she used to date the brother of her best friend and they just broke up and so she doesn't want to go because she doesn't want to see him so she ends up going and he runs into her and they have this he's he's there with someone else already and they have this back and forth because he broke up with her over text and he's like oh i hope you're not going to do anything embarrassing and she's like why would you break up with me over text which makes it clear that they haven't talked to each other since the breakup has happened so then they have that conversation which lasts like a couple minutes and then they go their separate ways then you find out maybe 20 minutes later in the movie that Anna Kendrick is pregnant with uh, that guy's baby and that that's the reason that he broke up with her. And I just thought, like, in what world would your first conversation seeing that person not entail in some capacity something about the fact that, like, you being that there's a pregnancy in play? Um, I don't know. Maybe that's like too small of a, a nit to pick with something, but no, that's, that's indicative of weird. people don't act like human beings in this movie. It, it, they act. Yeah it's, yeah. it's very bad. I wouldn't. Is this the that. one where the premise is like, they're all sitting at the shitty table? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's really bad. It's, it's almost in a way. I mean, it's only an hour and 20 minutes in a way it's worth watching. Just actually so, it's even not, I, it, it was painful to get through. Did Anna Kendrick not, not get enough like, wedding movie vibes from Mike and Dave doing wedding dates. She had to go and do this too. Oh, I actually like that movie. I forgot about <laughs> that one. Anyway, that's that's my not honorable mention. So I think... Dishonorable mention? Dishonorable mention. We should do that for, yeah. 
I'm all in on that. To, I could, what we need is to make it longer. I think we need to really stretch this out. And yeah, we need at least 15 more minutes in all these episodes. Yeah, oh, we're gonna. This is half the length of Marvel Part Two. Yeah, uh, I feel like the Godfather should be the the wild card, but I don't know. You guys, that sounds that. right. I mean, the only other ones were Wedding Singer and Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. I mean, I feel like Godfather. Yeah, yeah, probably Godfather. If we put the Godfather in, it's a good mix of uh, of comedy and and drama and romantic comedy. So mm-hmm. I'm good with that. So well done, boys. The uh, the six pack reads: The Godfather is the wild card. Love Actually at number five. Princess Bride at number four. Old School at number three. Deer Hunter at number two. Wedding Crashers: The Cleary Wedding at number one. For really, those of all you- great movies. For those of you keeping score at home, that means that there was no blood on the pod. Very uneventful. Three points across the board. Uh, Puts Kurt at 25, Matt at 27. I'm at 32. All right. Well, we'll see if it's very unsatisfying. The next go around. It's good. It's a good six pack. I feel so unsatisfied. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow, We did it. We did it back together. Uh, well, this is fun. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. As always. Toodles. All right. See you, boys. See you.